Diamond Seek deals with material that may not be suitable for listeners under the age of 13, so please use discretion. Any and all trigger warnings will be listed in the show's description. And with that, let's begin today's episode. Why? Why is it that when I shut my eyes, all I can see is you? All I can think about is consumed by you. Will you ever hold me again? Your voice, your hugs, your touch. All I know is that if I can see you just one more time, my life will be complete. And all I need is to embrace you and wrap my hands around your neck and just squeeze until you scream my name and die. Goodbye and good night, Mom. Love you. Hello, my dear seeker. And welcome, everyone, to the fourth episode of Crime and Seek. A little bit of crime, a little bit of scary. I am your host, and this is my once-in-a-while co-host. Hey, guys, it's me. We apologize for a long wait. We've had some family and personal issues that have been coming up. And it's summer, which means every single weekend is full of stuff. But we are determined to make this podcast work. And I listened to your comments, and today we'll be discussing a serial killer. And not just any serial killer, but one who killed quite a few people. And his name is Carol Edward Cole. And yes, we're using the full name. This despicable man went on a spree from 1971 to 1980 and had at least 16 known victims. But his death count actually may be a lot larger than that. You think when the cops uh, came into the uh, murder scene, they said, and yeah, we got a CEC on a B- or BE on this was a CEC. <laughs> For the record, these crimes all took were not all one big like walk into a house and oh kill sixteen my gosh, people. Sixteen people here! Holy moles! Oh. Anyway, <clears throat> Gene Willikers. Carol was born on May 9th, nineteen thirty-eight, in Sioux City, Iowa. For some reason, I want to say Sioux-y. That's not correct. Sioux City is the fourth largest city in Iowa and is known for its Sergeant Floyd Monument. And if you don't know, this is Charles Floyd. He died during the Lewis and Clark expedition. A little bit of info here on the murder podcast. I like this. I'm adding a little fluff, people. Making this longer. (laughs) Informative. (laughs) Use the right words. Keeping it real. Carol's parents were Levine. Laverne. Oh. Laverne. Laverne and Vesta. Sorry, Laverne. They had three children, and Carol prefers to be called Eddie. I haven't decided yet. I may switch between both names throughout this, because why should we make the serial killer happy? Uh, Eddie being Eddie was the middle child, and that was what he preferred to be called. His sister was born in 1939, and shortly after, the family moved on to Richmond, California, not Virginia where Eddie's father was drafted for the war. And if you can't guess which war it was, World War II. And this left Eddie and his siblings to be raised mostly by his mother, Vesta. And his mother, not a good mom. 
His mother was not a loyal woman by any means, and she enjoyed many a night with many a men. And for some reason, she felt that one of her children needed to be with her. And can you guess which kid she took with her? Oof, jeez, why would you do that? What Carol. A, what a jerk. Carol recall, recalled that in 1943, when he was at the tender age of five, his mother forced him to go to a man's apartment and watch while she had fun times. And by that, I mean sex with this man. Oof. Make this uh, explicit content over here. And if that wasn't traumatizing enough for a five-year-old, she would later bring him home and beat him into silence because she didn't want her husband to know. And who'd believe the five-year-old, right? Poor kid. Mm, you say that now, but he's a violent serial killer later on. Yeah, probably because of his mother. This pattern would continue until he was around seven years old. And that was only because... His dad came home from the war. And it was kind of hard at that point to cover up all the bruises. Eddie would then go on to confess to his mother. Oh, no, not confess to his mother. Would confess that that his mother would. (laughs) Why are you confessing my crimes to me? That is the last person. You don't get this keeping secrets, do you, Eddie? (laughs) Would treat him like a little girl and would torment him by forcing him to dress up in girls' clothes, calling him Carol, and parading him around while he was dressed up in front of her friends. Like maliciously? Yep. I mean, it's one thing to dress up your kid, but... You can kind of see how this is the beginnings of a serial killer with mommy issues. And, as I said, his father returned at the age of seven, and the beatings started to become less frequent. They weren't happening when he was around. And so, even though the torment from his mother seemed to slow down around the age of seven, the torments continued from another force. Because, as any child knows in school, children are mean. And they latched on to his first name, Carol. And, yeah, they started making fun of him for that. Because Carol, I, I don't know, Carol's the same thing like uh, I hear a lot of guys named Ashley. And it's, 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 it's setting your kid up for failure. It's, it's a shame. Nice names, just that, you know, people are mean. Eddie began to harbor a hatred towards women. Yeah. Were and the, were any they, uh, bullies uh, women or the little girls? Well, a lot of little girls were the ones ridiculing him. <laughs> and thanks to his mother's actions, he also developed mommy issues. Also, at the age of seven, Eddie would go on to murder his puppy. He just decided one day he was going to strangle his puppy. And when confronted by his parents, he claimed he blacked out. And at this point, he would begin to start harboring dark thoughts of murdering not just animals, but people. And if anyone knows, a lot of the markings of a serial killer is the torturing and killing of animals, as well as bedwetting. There's no record of Carol bedwetting, but we have the pet being checked off. A year later, when he was eight years old, he took his first human life. One of his classmates, Dwayne, was poking fun at him while swimming with another group of boys and started ridiculing him about his name. And when the other boys moved away, not sure why, Eddie pounced on the younger Dwayne and held him underwater until the boy died. Yeah. Yikes. 
At this point, this is when a parent should have stepped in and gotten him some help. Um, I couldn't find any other information on this boy, except that his death was ruled an accidental drowning because there were no witnesses. And Eddie just at the time, he was a kid. So the kid drowned. But he would later, when he was caught, confess that he, in fact, was the one who killed Dwayne. So at least his family got got closure. Although Eddie would drop out of school in his junior year, he was, in fact, considered a genius, and he tested a score of 152. And here you'd think, ah, genius, he'd go on to do something wonderful. No, no. He became a drunk and worked from one factory job after another and would join the Navy. Now, again, here's a point where this man could turn his life around. No, he got kicked out of the Navy. By the age of 20, he had been arrested multiple times. And by the age of 22, his fantasies of murder were getting too strong to ignore. I mean, thankfully, he hadn't murdered anyone else from the age of eight to this time. But that's not really saying much. And he actually started attacking couples parked in Lover's Lane with hammers. Didn't kill them. So he was only charged for assault. Those people are so incredibly lucky that they are not on his list. He went so far as to tell a police officer of his desires. This this is how messed up this guy was at this point. And the police officer said that he should probably get looked at. So he voluntarily checked himself into a mental institution. So he said this to the police officer after after he had. No, no. He went up to a random police officer and asked if he should get mental help. Yeah. But was this a. Uh, before or after he attacked the couples. Oh, this was after serving all the stuff for the assault. <laughs> and he's just saying, like, oh, you should probably go to the mental institute, you know. Uh, you Hammer people ain't a normal thing. <laughs> so he went to Napa State Hospital. He stayed there for 90 days. But he didn't divulge any helpful information to the doctors on staff. But the doctors still felt there was something wrong with him. He had antisocial sociopath personality disturbance. Yeah, sociopath. Not good. Otherwise known as antisocial personality disorder. Now, according to the Mayo Clinic, this mental disorder is when a person consistently shows no regard for right and wrong. <laughs> it's called a Mayo Clinic. <laughs> it's called the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> like mayonnaise. <laughs> no. I don't think I don't think the clinic is as delicious as Mayo. <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's just, I see this. And I'm just like, it's called a Mayo Clinic. <laughs> anyway, oh, okay. people ignore the rights and feelings of others, and the symptoms of this disorder include lying, exploiting others, ignoring what is right or wrong, charm, charming someone to manipulate them, arrogance, criminal behavior, violating rights of others, lack of empathy, and so on. So even though they felt he was a sociopath, he was discharged. Mm, no therapy, no medications. I don't know if you can get medications if you're a sociopath, but yeah. So he was released back into society after 90 days. Wow, what a good treatment. I know. He's cured. <laughs> after serving in prison yet again at the age of 23. Yeah, he did a lot in a year. Eddie asked for psychiatric help. And this time he went to a different hospital 
I'm going to butcher this name. Addis Cadero State Hospital. Atas Cadero. And then later he went and sought further help from the Stockton State Hospital. And at the Stockton State Hospital, he would then be labeled a sociopath. So now this guy has been labeled possibly a sociopath and a psychopath. Yeah, you meant you meant psychopath. I meant psychopath. Yeah, I was gonna say like he was called a sociopath. It's like, but that was already on his file. So, <laughs> I don't know if doctors were not looking at his file, but if someone is diagnosed both a sociopath and a psychopath, we got some issues here, guys. This person needs to be receiving some kind of help. And why are you scrolling past my notes? Sorry, this is a very big <laughs> paragraph you had here. <laughs> it's the size of a page. <laughs> I was really confused. I'm like, why is this such a big hey, paragraph? There are some people who may not have heard of the true crime past and they don't know what a psychopath is. This is a mental disorder where many believe. Oh, wow. I wrote that wrong. This is a mental disorder. <laughs> we're flopping into the point where we're just adding stuff in. We're just making stuff up at this point. Glibness, uh, superficial uh, charm, grandeur. This is a mental disorder. That a person where they feel like the person literally has no conscience. So unlike a sociopath where they don't know right from wrong, they know right and wrong. And they choose what suits their needs. And they tend to believe they are better and more intelligent than others. Now, if you're worried you're a psychopath, you might want to go to a treatment center. But there are 20 traits that would be exhibited if you were, in fact, a psychopath. Glibness or superficial charm. Grandiose sense of self-worth. Eh, I feel like some of us have that. Need for stimulation. You're prone to boredom. Pathological lying. Conning and manipulative. Lack of remorse or guilt. Shallow effect, which means reduced emotional responses. You're kind of faking your emotional responses at this point. You just learn how you should react in certain <laughs> situations. That is a very funny thing you have said, Smith John. <laughs> Callous, lack of empathy. Parasitic lifestyle, poor behavioral controls, promiscuous sexual behavior, early behavioral problems, lack of realistic long-term goals, impulsivity, irresponsibility, failure to accept responsibility for one's actions, many short-term marital relationships, and let me tell you, this guy's been married multiple times, juvenile delinquency, revocation of conditional release from prison, criminal versatility, I which means they commit diverse types of crimes. This guy wow. is literally hitting all of these. Man, he's hitting every milestone. So what you would do if you feel like you fit this, you rate how each one applies to you from a scale of zero to two. If you get a higher, if you get 30 or higher, you might be a psychopath. Now this is just an internet quiz that you can find anywhere basically, but this is what they use for you to determine if you're a psychopath. Granted, anyone could fake this. Another time, Eddie was diagnosed as a schizophrenic. So now we have a sociopath, a psychopath, and a schizophrenic. Either way, this poor guy needs some help. I feel like if someone had stopped and stopped, they could have saved so many people. Either way, his prognosis was not looking good. But, again, they just released him let him go just release him back into society it's fine one doctor was quoted as saying he seems to be afraid of the female figure and cannot have intercourse with her first 
but must kill her before he can do it. But don't wouldn't they make him a necrophiliac then? Yes. Or a murderous necrophiliac? Yep. Mm. Mm. Should not have been released. That is an actual quote, guys, from a doctor. So that about sums up this guy. So you would think this is the kind of person who would not actively seek a marriage because he can't really form emotional bonds. But as you know, psychopaths do. They marry and they have many marriages. But this guy, he hated woman. <laughs> woman? Just single one? I hate woman. <laughs> In fact, he would go on to have three wives. Wow. The only information I could find about his first wife was her name, Billy Whitworth, and that she was an, get this, alcoholic stripper. And I bet you can imagine this marriage didn't last long. I figured they all last one day since he had to <laughs> kill people before he had sex with them. And the marriage only <laughs> lasted for two years. Now, why did the marriage end, you ask? Well, the marriage ended because Eddie went to jail after setting the motel that they lived on on fire. She got off pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he believes that his wife was sleeping around. So instead of confronting his wife, he decided to set the entire place they lived on in fire. Thankfully, from what I saw, no one died. Wow, not even the wife? Nope. No, she left him. Wow, well, she clearly lucked out. Yeah. Mm. yeah, no, her butt was saved. Four months after being released from prison, good old Carol would go to jail again for five years. He tried to strangle an 11-year-old in her bedroom. Do not ask me how this guy got into an 11-year-old's bedroom. There's no information. I I don't know. What was he even doing in there? I don't know. Oh, did she say, like, Carol, that's a woman's name. He's like, I'm going to teach that kid a lesson. I don't know. Yep, again... Maybe if someone had looked into his file, he would have been put away. Three years later, he got off on parole and went on to attempt to strangle a lot more people. On May 7th, 1971, Eddie would take his first victim as an adult, and her name was Essie Louise Buck. She was a 39-year-old woman who he picked up at a bar and just decided to strangle her. The endearing man would then keep her dead body in his trunk and just drive around with her all night. And then on his 33rd birthday, he decided, I'm just going to dump her in the woods. Eddie claimed that same year he killed two more women. One he called Wilma. She has never been found. And the other remains unnamed and not found. So here's Eddie going, oh yeah, I killed more people, but I'm not going to tell you who. Now, after murdering these three women, Eddie went on to get arrested for drunk driving. And sometime in 1972, he would claim he murdered yet another two women in the desert. He strangled one and killed the other with a hammer. He then buried them in the desert. These had never been confirmed. We don't know if these are just brags. But if they're not, those poor women, and I hope someday that they're found so their family can have closure. And then later in 1972, Eddie would go on to meet a fellow alcoholic who was named Diana Parshall. Now, if this isn't the beautiful romance that you thought it was, he would go on to marry her. 
in July of 1973, he has an issue with marrying alcoholics. I don't know if he just felt they were easier to manipulate, but as you can guess, this was not a happy marriage. And now this wife, unfortunately, would not get off so easily. The two constantly fight, and they both cheated on each other while married. Eddie claims he committed murders during this time, including some cannibalism. Yep. Not only is he a necrophiliac, he's a cannibal. And he's got a pretty open mind. He's yeah. willing to try everything. Willing to try everything. Later, Eddie would flee to Wyoming after stealing from a casino. <laughs> pretty ballsy move. Wow. This guy does not that, care at That's what scared all. him? Not the fact that he was eating people, but the fact that he robbed the casino? Yeah, no. He's not afraid of mur- getting caught for murder, nothing, but because he stole some money. It must have been... Lo- it's been a large amount. Tells you about his mindset right now. Yep. In 1975, he would go on to murder poor Marlene Hammer, a Native American who was known by her family as TP. He would later dump her body wrapped in a sleeping bag after strangling her. She was later discovered in August of the same year. After this, Eddie would continue to get in trouble with the law. No surprise. And this time, he jumped on his bail which led to a one-year prison sentence. And in May of 1977, Kathleen Blum, a local prostitute, was strangled and dumped in a backyard. Just a backyard. Right in a backyard. I can't imagine waking up to find him. This guy's like the Scranton Strangler over here. (laughs) Uh, After this, he was jailed for stealing a car. This dude does not care. The night before Thanksgiving, Eddie met an unnamed woman at a bar who he claims he didn't kill. And which I, I kind of believe him. <laughs> yeah, until you get to the next part. But get this, when he woke up the next day, her body just happened to be cut up in multiple places while he slept. He's like, I still didn't do this. It this could is the only I mean, murder that I did not do. It could have been spontaneous combustion. I mean, her limbs were wrapped up in the fridge, and someone had oh eaten gosh. her back end. It was fried up in a skillet, so are the we rest to, were in the trash. Are, so are we to believe the, uh, all the ones that he bragged about, he really didn't kill, and the one that he said he didn't do, he did do? She spontaneously combusted while he was sleeping. Yeah, okay. Or he must have had one of his uh, famous blackouts that he normally has. But get this. He was only charged with a six-month sentence and three years of probation. They couldn't prove he killed her. I feel like they should have checked his stomach. Because there's clearly more cannibalism here. This, uh, this guy doesn't even care. He just looks straight in the police officer's face. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And they're like, that's, that's And they just I accept that. It. I believe it. In October of the same year, he was again arrested, but released. Not sure what for, but again, this is just a record of this man cannot stay out of jail. Again, in November, he was arrested yet again and stayed in jail for almost a year. Lucky, lucky ladies, because nobody was killed, obviously, because he was in jail. And between August and September, he killed more people as soon as he was released. The first of the two was named Bonnie Sue O'Neill. That's just such a lovely Southern name. I don't know. Bonnie, Bonnie Sue. Sue. It's such a sweet name. She was another prostitute. And as you can tell, he started having mommy issues and he was going after women that look that he, yes, he, he claims he was going after women. He felt were loose like his mom and reminded him of his mom. 
So Eddie would go on to murder her by strangulation. So I, in cases like this, I always wonder, why didn't he just go kill his mom? Get it out of his system. Not that he should have. Was, was she already dead at this point? No. Oh, she probably still loved her. Uh, it's possible that he just, you know, just effed up by it. Eddie would go on to murder her by strangulation because according to him, she wanted to call her husband instead of giving him all his time. I mean, he paid for that. So clearly yeah. he was justified in killing her and throwing her in a garbage can. Because I mean, he, he said she was trash. I mean, no doubt she could have probably offered him an extension. Do you think... Uh, <laughs> Uh, she said, like, I need to call my husband, but I, uh, this is coming out of your time. And he's like, nope, not, not dealing with this. Well, I don't know. Maybe it could have just been the fact that he saw her as unfaithful because she was married. And that just triggered him seeing her as his mom. Probably, yeah. It's probably Because there are other prostitutes that he slept with that he let go. Yeah. And the next victim would be his wife. She was strangled. We're not really sure why this particular wife was murdered, but the other one he let live. But she was not given the chance to be free from him when he could have divorced her. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the wife's name's Diana Cole, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, Diana Cole. Cole was killed in a rage, and her body was wrapped in a blanket and probably shoved into a closet. Now, this man thought he could just shove his wife into a closet and nobody would notice his wife not around. Thankfully, he had a really nosy neighbor. And that neighbor became super suspicious that Carol's wife was never around I anymore. Diana left the house for 57 days. And then he saw Eddie digging a hole in his backyard. Super sus. <laughs> I imagine the neighbor was like, that's a little, a little deep hole you bowled in there, digging there, Eddie. He's like, why do you have the same accent as the police officer? So the neighbor called the police. And lucky for little Eddie, the death was ruled an accidental death due to alcohol poisoning. I don't know how all these coroners are missing the strangulation or if he's just or or he's lying about the strangulation. Maybe he killed her with alcohol. Who knows? So Eddie went off scot-free to Vegas. This this dude just doesn't get caught. He just... So he goes off to Vegas to find a new life, a new job. Must be nice to just murder people and... No one cares. In, in October... In November of 1979, Eddie would go on to murder yet again. This was a woman by the name of Marie Cushman. He murdered her in a hotel that he was staying at. And he left her there in the room. And that was the Kabosh Hotel. Casba. Kashba. Kasba? Kashba. Ka- I don't know. You're, you're editing an H in there with like the Kashba. I feel like my Japanese is better than these American names. Is that even a <laughs> Japanese word? I don't know. The Kasba. Somehow Eddie was able to marry <laughs> again. So three months after his wife was murdered, what a catch, he goes on and marries again. You know, if there was the internet invented at this time, or rather it was more like why at least... Just do a quick back. Ladies. Yeah. Do not go on dates without doing background checks. Yeah. Seriously. Um, her name, for some reason, was not released in any newspaper that I read through. And she was a co-worker of his. He took her on a honeymoon to Texas. Now get this. This, is, this woman is so freaking lucky. On their honeymoon, they were pulled over for Eddie driving without a license. But, shocker, 
the police did a thorough name check and he had a federal warrant for violating his parole a couple of years, violating his probation a couple years earlier. So he was sent to a medical center from federal prisoners. His wife got off scot-free. That woman is lucky. But despite being found to have personality changes on top of being a psychopath, schizophrenia, sociopath, you know, killing people, he was released in October in 1980, where he would flee to Dallas. And he'd go on to kill three more women. This dude is just, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe him. On November 12th of 1980, Eddie would murder Wanda Faye Roberts. He left her body naked from the waist down. What a guy. He again murdered through strangulation. The only thing, and I don't even know. The only, I guess the only good thing was he didn't perform necrophilia on her or abuse her before she was dead. It's a very small consolation to this poor woman's family. His second victim was unnamed because, you know, Eddie likes to do that. And the type of murder was also left unnamed, but you can probably put a bet on strangulation. His third victim was named Sally Thompson. Third victim? Isn't this like 17th at this point? No, his third victim in 1980. Oh, in the 80s. Okay. I forgot we were doing No, it was all in November of 1980. Wow, man. Now this, this would be the murder that would nail that Final nail into the coffin, guys. Sally Thompson was the only murder victim that I can really sadly find any information on. Eddie went with Sally to her apartment and murdered her. Now, for some reason, this dude didn't leave. He stayed in the apartment with her dead body. In fact, Sally's children walked in on Eddie standing next to their mom's body. And get this, he didn't leave. So the kids originally saw the lights on and they were confused by the locked door because they had made plans for their mother to visit because one of them was bringing girlfriend home to meet their mom. And they were just confused. So they knocked and instead of their mom answering or no one answering, freaking Carol opened the door. And he was like, hey, what's up, kids? Why would she open the door? What you? He should know from neighbor experience. Maybe the neighbors called the cops. No, he answers the door and behind him is his mom's body. So the kids run next door to call the police. And the crazy thing to me is Eddie didn't leave. The door's open. He had an opportunity. What does he care? <laughs> He's like, he got away with 17 other murders. Oh my goodness. You can see his mental health is truly unraveling at this point. So he tells the police officers that in the act of undressing Sally, she just collapsed and died. And the paramedics... Checks out. Yeah. They said, okay, maybe an overdose. Eddie was able to go. Oh, my gosh. But thankfully, Detective Gerald Robinson had murdered... (laughs) Walked in and was like, are you guys crazy? No. Detective Gerald Robinson had visited the murder scene of one of his previous victims, Wanda Faye Roberts... And he started to notice that some of these murder scenes he he was going to were too similar to ignore him. And he started to believe there was a serial killer. When Wanda was murdered, the police checked in at bars that she was known to visit until they found someone who had seen her that night. A bartender told him that she had left with another customer. 
and the idiot left his real name. They knew he was called Eddie. Detective Robinson was able to look at Sally Thompson's file and saw that Mr. Carroll was there that night and that he lived at a home for felons. And surprise, his middle name was Edward and he went by the name of Eddie. So maybe if you've just recently committed another murder that's similar to this murder and you leave your real name, I mean, maybe you should leave. But whatever. So when they ran a background check, the police discovered his immense criminal background. Oh my gosh, he's murdered 652 women. Carol was picked up at his work and told the cops that, yeah, he knew Wanda, but he would never kill her. So when Detective Robinson got pulled from the interrogation, Edward, he just sang. This dude's done. He just sang. He confessed. But not to Sally and Wanda, but to a different crime. Let's just facepalm here. He didn't even realize who, at this point, who he was getting charged as murdering. So he just confesses to another murder. Yeah, I killed uh, Dorothy (laughs) King the other day. He admitted to killing Dorothy King, another victim we haven't even mentioned yet. He killed her also in 1980. Her death was ruled as an overdose. Sensing a pattern here. Until this point, of course, Eddie went on to talk about how he only killed, quote, drunken sluts. He was placed in jail on three first-degree murder counts. Many didn't believe all of Eddie's confessions. I mean, how can you believe this guy at this point? He just, he talks so much. He talks a good game here. Eddie's confessions because they felt there was no way he could have strangled some of these women because a coroner would have had to have noticed there were no bruise marks. So nobody knows if he's just adding to his kill count or if he killed them another way and he's just claiming it was strangulation. The courts had Eddie evaluated to see if he was fit to stand trial and somehow he was found sane. I don't apologize if you guys hear some noises in the background that's just our cat doing he wanted some love during the trial eddie would speak about his upbringing and saying that he killed his mother through the woman that he murdered now how long do you think it took the jury to deliberate i bet you're wrong the jury took only 25 minutes before charging him with at least three murder charges and he was charged with at least a 25 year minimum of course, Eddie could not accept his life behind bars, so he began planning in his, his escape. But then he got injured in prison, so that didn't happen. While incarcerating, he found out that his mother passed away in January 1984, and a month later he was informed he would be tried on a capital murder charge, thankfully. Cole, real, Cole, why am I writing Cole? Carol, Carol realizing he may never escape, set out to die. Although he would be charged with multiple murders, he only needed one capital murder charge to die. So on December 6, 1985, Cole was executed through lethal injection and all the ladies breathe. So yeah, that was Carol Edward Cole. Oh, that's why I wrote Cole. (laughs) Did you forget the person's (laughs) name halfway through it? I, <laughs> I even went to go say call the, the wife's name. <laughs> well, thank oh. you everybody for listening oh to my tale today. And seekers, don't forget 
If you have any questions or comments, you can go on Instagram at crime and seek, and that is crime and and is spelled out. Seek. Lost my train of thought. Lost my train of thought. Oh, you can also visit my YouTube. That is crime and seek as well. I think that is. And I'll, I'll fill I'll fill you guys in. Um, it's crime and seek. Uh, a N D dot WordPress dot com and the YouTube is crime and seek. But it's but an ampersand. It's an ampersand. Sorry, I get confused which one's ampersand and which one's and. And there is a Twitter too. It's um, Twitter, but it's attached to the YouTube. You you can find it through there. But I think it's just crime and seek. Uh, crime ampersand it's real good when you don't remember what your social medias are anyway but you feel free to hit me up let me know say you don't like this format you want me to go back to the old format or you want me to do something different let me know I'm open very open bye everyone and thank you seekers for listening and remember you better hide well <laughs> <laughs>